Um, if you're visiting with us, my name's Nick. Um, I'm the uh, senior pastor. I know that probably scares you a little bit, but I promise I'm, I'm older than 16. Um, and just, I mean, in honor of what they've done, I'm, I'm just going to do the whole sermon in French, if that's okay. And don't ever say, don't ever say we don't speak in tongues at High Point Church, okay? So, um, yeah, so anyway, um, let's just dive right in because um, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, I've called the, the sermon before this, this one, and the next one, the mercifully short Nick sermons because I usually preach for, you know, a, a good bit. And we're trying to make these mercifully short, particularly because we've got kids in here. My own daughter said, Daddy, do I have to go to the sermon? So... <laughs> Uh, we're, we're in the middle of four uh, weeks on talking about maturity because we, we spent the year in 1 Corinthians. A big theme in that book is maturity. So I've been thinking a lot over the last month about Christian maturity. My wife quipped one time for the first time. Um, but one of the passages we've looked at a couple of times is this one in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is a, a passage in the Bible. Um, and this is what the Apostle Paul said to this church. He said, brothers, I could not address you as as spiritual or spiritually mature, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it yet. But as much as we've been talking as a church about, um, about maturity, over the last couple of weeks, the last week in particular, I've been thinking a good bit about childhood too. Partly because on Christ, at Christmas time we think about God becoming a child and what an act of humility that was for our redemption, but also because of the last week, because of the Connecticut shooting. Just, just thinking about that. I actually wrote a whole different introduction to the sermon that, that my wife saved you from. She said, Nick, that is such a downer. You better, that's what blogs are for. So if you want to read that, you can go there. Um, but as, I, as I, was, I was thinking about maturity and I was, I was thinking about childhood, one of the things that struck me as pretty important is that we spend a lot of time talking about maturity in reference to growing up, how we become different from when we were a child in terms of improvements. But one of the things that I think is really important, and one of the reasons why I think it's worthwhile to think about Jesus' childhood, is because there, there is something about childhood we actually aren't supposed to grow out of. I mean, if you know any verse in the Bible besides, you know, don't judge or John three sixteen, it's probably this one, Matthew nineteen fourteen and 15. Jesus said, you, you familiar with this one? Jesus said, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them for, for what? For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. That is, the people who have a rightful citizenship or belong to the kingdom that belongs to God have a distinct similarity to these little kids. That's what he's saying. He, and, he's, and, and he said that to teach the adults that didn't think that was true. So what Jesus was, was, was teaching and presuming in that statement is that there's something about proper adulthood that is just like childhood. Even though there are a lot of things about adulthood that aren't supposed to be like childhood. Right? Um... And so here's, here's sort of the point I want to make tonight about this. I believe one of the reasons we need to think about this is because I believe the culture that we live in, the culture of modernity, actually leads us to keep from childhood the things which we should be leaving behind and that we leave behind the things we should be keeping. And I think that's a tragedy. 
And that's the thing that we can only avoid if we know what's happening and we intentionally avoid it. That is, let me just say that again. I think modernity, the culture we live in, causes us to keep from childhood the very things we're supposed to grow out of and to leave back in childhood precisely the things we're supposed to keep. I mean, we all, you, we all have to kind of think through this, this idea. I mean, what are we supposed to keep from childhood and what are we supposed to grow out of? What are the things that if we grow out of them, it's actually a tragedy? And what are the things that if we don't grow out of them, it's a tragedy? Right? Here's my shot answering that question. Right? I think that in, in, in childhood, you see wonder in the face of kids. There's a vitality, an imagination, a willingness to believe in a general idealism, and that those things are not supposed to go. But, in chi- but I think sometimes we, we over-sentimentalize childhood. You know what I mean? It's this, it's this sort of like, oh, everything about kids is fantastic. And, you know, m- my response to people like that is always just have a couple, you know? It, it's just not, it's not true. I mean, kids are great. I love kids, and the older they get, they get the more I like them. But, but I mean, th- this other column is totally true. Now, the sad thing is it's true about a lot of us adults too, Right? But it's supposed to be true about kids. That's why they have parents. That's why they go through a maturing process, right? And we want them to grow out of that. If they don't grow out of it, it's a tragedy. But on this other column, this left-hand column, if they do grow out of those things, it's a tragedy. You see? And that's part of the problem of living in this world because the world in which we live, um, it tends to undermine that. Right? We'd like for adults to keep the vitality and the wonder and the faith and the willingness to believe in what we ought to believe in um, so that we can be fully alive, but we'd also like to mature so that we can fully live. And in modernity, there is this terror that if there's anything outside of us that constrains what we can choose to do, it's going to take away our ability to be happy. There's this very strong sense in us that we have to let ourselves off the hook morally and inspirationally because we have to have the ability to move in whatever direction we think is necessary for us to be happy. And, and, so, and morality constricts those options and living a life that's inspirational to others restricts those options in some ways and being spiritual in non-vague ways. Spiritualities that include things like doctrines or scriptures or things like that limits our options. And what we need is we need a world that's totally wide open. The problem is, is that when you create a world that's totally wide open, what you end up doing is you end up creating a two-dimensional world. You can access all of it. It's like a flat screen TV. You can touch it all, but it becomes a tragedy because the world was really meant to be totally different from that. It was meant to have depth to it, not just width. It's meant to have roots under you that pull meaning into today and a future that you're looking towards that inspires you in terms of how you're going to live and what you're going to pass on to the next generation and who you're going to be remembered as. And, and all of that is wrapped up in a much bigger story that God started, that God is going to end, and that God is part of, and that God has called you to a specific part of. And one of the things that I think is the most tragic about what modernity can do to us is I think modernity tends to create a cynicism and a dullness rather than vitality and wonder. Kids have vitality and wonder. And what I believe present modernity does, there's lots of reasons for it, but what it produces in our souls and in our psychology and how we feel and how we think and how we act and how we criticize things is that it tends to create a cynicism and a dullness rather than a vitality and a wonder. 
I mean, I don't know about you guys, but have you ever been around a kid or an adult or a sort of adult that said something like, I'm bored, right? I'm bored. You know, my kids know better than to say that. My five-year-old knows better than to say that. Because in my house, when somebody says I'm bored, you hear one of two things. Either, you know what? Boring people are bored. Become interesting and you won't be bored anymore. Or the second option you might get is, listen, the four of you, entertaining you is not one of my fatherly roles. (laughs) And I'm not adding it. Right? Yeah. There are a lot of people in the that are convinced that my kids suffer child abuse. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that happens in modernity, though, because of this cynicism and this dullness that creates a kind of boredom, is we tend, we're now prone to begin to admire about childhood the things least noble and most immature. Like, what do you really admire about childhood? I'll tell you what—you know what I'm most naturally tempted to admire about childhood? The fact that they don't have to do a thing. <laughs> Right? They have no responsibilities. I give them responsibility. They don't do it. And they just—they can do whatever. They don't have to earn any money. They don't have to keep a job. They don't have to compete in the marketplace. They don't have to make decisions by themselves. They don't have to—they don't have to—they don't even have to wash themselves half the time. You know, I mean, it's just—and and honestly, there are days where I just let—you know, I, I kind of envy that. And, and it's perfectly rational, it's, but it's also— terribly immature. I mean, part of what makes adulthood better, the reason why we shouldn't want to become kids again, is because we have stepped forward into some greater responsibility, into something that's bigger and more important, that we've stepped into— I mean, my kids aren't passing on life. I'm doing that. They're not ready to do that yet. I'm trying to lead people through major crises in their lives. I have a vocation that I'm trying to do the best I can. They're not doing that. They're not ready for that. Why would I want to be a kid again if I, had, if I had a scrap of maturity in my bones? But if, we, if we're cynical about it, if we believe that our vocations are just ways that we're serving the man to make a little bit of money that we can spend a little of on the weekend that we don't pay in taxes, or if we have some kind of cynical idea that our responsibilities aren't supposed to take the best hours of our day, but we're just waiting around till our leisure begins because that's when we really live, or if we— we hate the guts out of our marriage because we wish we could escape to something new because new is more fun than making this enjoyable. Like we, we, the, what modernity does when it dulls us and it makes us cynical, it makes us the sort of people that admire about childhood the very thing we're supposed to help our children grow out of. And it makes us boring people. And when it makes us boring and shallow people, it makes us cynical people. And it makes us bored people. And so not only are we bored and tired of, tired of it, but we're a trial to everybody else because we're so skin cynical about it. And we're not any fun for anybody. And it's not that all of us want to—it's not like we want to be that way. But sometimes the system we live in, if we don't know what it's doing to us, we can't resist it. But here's what I think is important. If we want to become the kind of adults that we were meant to be, the kind of adults that have grown out of what we're supposed to grow out of and also kept the things we're supposed to keep, if, if we want to be the kind of people that we're meant to be, this is exactly why we need to turn to the baby. This is exactly why we need to turn to Jesus. Because living as a full adult is not something only Christians want. 
It's something everybody wants. The difference with Christianity, and the difference particularly with Jesus, is that Christianity has an answer that no other way of thinking or way of believing has. And that is that there is one who can restore the wonder, the imagination, the vitality that we are meant to have by blowing the top off of our cynical, imaginationless world and putting us back in the way we should be like children. Because, because here's, what's it, here's what happens. What a lot of people think the funnest thing about having kids is, I think funnest is a word, is that when we, when we get dull, then we have kids. And, and what happens with the kids? The world is new to them. So they experience everything for the first time. And things that don't excite us anymore excite them. And it's not as though we're experiencing wonder— We're not. We're watching them experience wonder, which is kind of good. It's not the same thing as experiencing wonder or imagination, but it's sort of vampiric or parasitic on them. But here's the problem with that. The kids make us sort of happy for a little while with those experiences, but you see, we're sucking it out of them rather than instilling it into them. The person in my house that should have the most wonder and imagination and the most vitality in the world is me! Not my kids! If, if they're the ones that are producing the vitality in my household, we're all going to end up to be a bunch of cynics. God help us. Right? But you see, Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one who walks into the world and says, to everybody who listened to his teaching, are you not astounded by this? No? I mean, just... <laughs> See? Somebody has already turned that kid into a cynic. (laughs) Right? Like, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, trees astounded me. Something happened when I went to school and learned why the sun came up in the morning and went down in the afternoon that took away the insanity that every day a sun came up and a sun went down. G.K. Chesterton said in his book, Orthodoxy, he said, there's something about when we learn about light and we realize that light waves make trees green. It stops amazing us that they could have been blue or pink. That there's, there's something about when we, th- we think we're becoming scientific, more is happening to us. We're losing something when we gain something if we're not really careful. But you see, Jesus is the one who can say, wait a second. We're learning as, as scientific people how all this works, but don't let it stop astounding you that it works and that it's here. Right? Or don't, you see that thing over there that your heart is telling you is in, intolerably unjust and wrong. It is intolerably unjust and wrong. Let's do something about it. Or do you see this over here? Or that where he comes in and he, because he says stuff, you know, the thing people don't like about Jesus when they actually read him is they think he's some kind of sage that says all these vague things that don't mean anything. It's ag- exactly the opposite. The problem with Jesus, if you ever read what he actually says, is he's too definite. He tells you exactly what to do and how to live and how, what things mean. And for at first, it's kind of like, ooh, I don't, I don't like this. I mean, you're, you're constricting my happiness options. But what you also find is when he says specific things and he says, this is right and this is wrong, all of a sudden that thing matters. And when he says, this is this and not that, all of a sudden that thing has meaning. And when he says, this is this, that thing has a significance it didn't have before. And all of a sudden, the flat screen panel of wood that we flattened out because we wanted the wide option, it gets narrowed by Jesus, which is scary. But it turns into a trunk, and it has roots, and it has branches, and it's much better than it ever was. Because the cynicism is starting to go away, and imagination is starting again to have its proper place within maturity. Let me 
Let me, let me say two, two more things to end. One is, I, I'm naturally a pretty cynical person, okay? Some of you who go here, you know that. And I'm always fighting that. Um, but I, I would rather believe a little too much than be a lot too cynical. Let's, okay, so let's do a thought experiment, okay? Let's imagine you are watching a TV show. The TV show is of you in an alternate universe— and you have to make a decision about what kind of character you are going to be in this show. Okay? Now, you can t- make one of two choices. I am going to give you three beliefs that your character is either going to have or not have, but it's an all or nothing. Either your character that is you is going to believe all three of these things or isn't going to believe any of these things. Okay? Here are the three beliefs. Are you ready? One. Belief one. People can and some people often do do the right thing for the right reason. Belief two, heroism is real and its potential resides in all of us. That we can all choose to act with great nobility, sacrifice, and sacrifice our immediate self-interest for the good of someone worth saving. And three, Irish wood pixies actually exist. Okay? Does your, does your character believe those three things or not? You see, I'm going to pick yes. I know that's—I know I'm going to have a very silly belief, right? Because I don't actually think Irish Wood Pixies li- exist. It'd be really cool, but they, I don't think they do. But I am not giving up those other two to be scientifically accurate about that third one. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And, and I would rather err a little bit on the side of having an imagination and having a sense of wonder about the world and being a little bit wrong than being one of these cynics who can't see anything to spite their face because they have to be so right and have so much control over their own happiness options that they're going to do whatever they want and they end up bored and, and, and unhappy to end with. There are some of, some of us that were a little bit geeky in high school and were in show choir because it was only, our only shot at dancing with pretty girls. And those of us are pretty happy that Les Miserables is coming out tomorrow as a film. Um, I have always, always, always uh, loved that musical. I have not yet read the book. I need to, but I haven't. Um, but I think it's going to be a great film for Christians because that, that book and that a musical has the gospel in it a number of times. In fact, it has all kinds of overtly Christian language. Um, and the whole storyline is about grace triumphing over judgment. The whole storyline and how, trans- how, how grace triumphing over judgment transforms somebody and they live out a radically sacrificial Christ-centered life. That's, the, that's what the whole story is, right? Um, so I was reading some reviews on the film this last week and I came across this one that struck me as kind of ang- angry and cynical from, a, from Entertainment Weekly. Let me, let me just read you a little bit from it, okay? This, this, so the reviewer says this, You probably already know that Anne Hathaway, as the wretched single mother turned prostitute Fontaine, is reputedly a formidable Oscar favorite for her sobbing and warbling and haircutting in real time. You've learned from posters and trailers that Hugh Jackman, as a former convict, Jean Valjean, looks impressively stricken that— re- and that Russell Crowe, as in the implacable police inspector Javert, looks disconcertingly deceptic. I don't really know what that word means. Um, what's left to learn is this. 
Les Miserables provides compelling reasons for Crow to be peeved, beginning with the humiliation of having to sing in Broadway style, when it clearly is not his thing, and to end with his Captain Crunch wardrobe into which the gentleman is packed. Oh, for Crow's costume glory days of master and commander. Jackman was right to be cranky too. Although he too is too much of a trooper to show it, he, as he over-emotes and on demand and sings to... And sings of finding God after he steals a pair of candlesticks from a nice priest. Now, that strikes me as a profound, profound bit of cynicism. The first thing is, are single mothers that sell themselves into syphilis-ridden prostitution not supposed to sob? Right? Or two, Jean Valjean, are men subjected to 20 years of hard labor— not supposed to look impressively stricken, right? <laughs> or three, picking on Russell Crowe's costume. Doesn't she know that he's dressed as a Frenchman? <laughs> a group of people not unknown for coming up with silly fashions. <laughs> or fourth, and this is the most telling, is it possible to over-emote when you sing about finding God? One of the things that's most telling about the blindness that has, that has come on this reviewer is that she gets the fact of the scene wrong. She doesn't even know what's happening. She so despises the gospel in this scene that she doesn't even know what happens because she says, she says that he, he overmotes when he, after he steals a pair of candlesticks from a nice priest. It's not actually a priest, it's a bishop. And you can see in the background, he's holding the candlesticks, and behind him are two inspectors. Because, and here's, here's the thing, he doesn't steal the candlesticks. What happens is, he steals all the other silver from this nice bishop who lets him stay there when he has just come out of parole from prison. And he steals everything, and he leaves in the night. And he is caught by the inspectors, and he is brought back to the bishop so the bishop can say, you are guilty. You stole all of my silver. You are going back for another 20 years of hard labor. And what the bishop does is he says, I'm, he says to the inspectors, I'm so glad, so glad you brought him back. Because I gave him all my silver. And he forgot the best part. He forgot these two candlesticks. Friend, you were meant to have these two. And he gives them to him, and the inspectors leave, and, and the French bishop says, I have bought you with grace for Christ. And he goes out and he sings this battle. He says, the world who's always hated me and I have always hated, now what am I supposed to do? Because, what happened? He got touched by grace. A man who is as cynical as could ever be finds God because he received grace and because a man offered him mercy. His imagination was blown open. His cynicism was gone. He was filled with a new vitality, live a completely different life. And the story moves out from there about how he transforms the lives of all kinds of people because he's over-emoting when he finds God. How blind can you be? How blind can you be? I would rather believe in Irish pixies and believe the other stuff that is right in front of my face than to be slick enough and cynical enough to make sure I don't have any false beliefs which keep me from having any important true beliefs. If we're going to be grown-ups, if you and I are going to be the adults we have to be, 
there is something from childhood we have to keep. And if we have lost it, there is one who can reawaken it. There is one who can give it back. There, there, is, there is one who can make us adults, and it is this child. And I'd encourage you to believe in him. He's real. He came. And, I, and I, here's what I would say. I'd also encourage you to walk with us because it's a whole life. It's a whole life walking with him. It's a whole life becoming a new kind of adult. It's a whole life getting a new imagination. And that's why there's such a thing as a church. That's why we're here. So come back. I want to know you. We want to know you if you don't come very often. Let's pray. Father, um, we lift up ourselves to you and we pray that this baby um, would make us real adults. We pray that... um, in a world where there is an appropriate amount of cynicism that comes from being a Christian. You know, we believe, we believe in depravity. I mean, there's a certain kind of cynicism, not, very little that's evil ought to surprise us as Christians. There's a cynicism that the gospel gives us, but there's also an aliveness and an imagination of vitality and a trust that we need to have and we want to have, and we pray that you would give it to us in and through Christ. Pour out your spirit now, Father, and help us be believing people as we celebrate the coming of Jesus. One more time. Amen.